everybody. Welcome to this next episode of Beyond the Barrels. We're excited for this one. Well, I'm excited for everyone, but this is, uh, I think this is the very first one that we kind of brought to the table and thought, how do we talk about this? What does it mean to our employees? And, um, and I don't want this to sound bad, but how do we make it interesting to everybody? So as we get into this, we'll, uh, hopefully, hopefully it is interesting. I think it's amazing stuff. Uh, with me in studio today, I've got Grant Farnsworth from the Traffic Management Division. Is that right? Yep. Glad to be here. And uh, and Brad Palmer from Region 2. Yes. Okay. Glad to be here. Uh, really quick, Grant, tell us what you do for the department. Um, how long have you been here? Kind of what's your background a little bit? Yeah, I'm uh, the Traffic Mobility Engineer, work in the Traffic Management Division. And basically, I'm with the Congestion Reporting and Analysis Group. So I have a lot of fun slicing and dicing this uh, a data and to be able to make stories and be able to look at um, how we can solve congestion concerns um, with different projects and do quality checking with projects to help add resources in case they want another eye on what the consultants are doing. Um, I've worked here almost four years, came from HNTB, um, worked on the core project and was working on the point project and um, joined UDOT and now get to work on a lot of the projects. So that's great. I'm glad to hear. Brad, what about you? Oh, Region 2 Traffic Operations Engineer. I've been in that for about a year now. Um, I don't know that I really consider myself a traffic engineer yet, but I'm starting to learn a lot of the lingo and how, how things are functioning over there. Uh, I've been with UDOT for seven years. I did a short sabbatical in, in, in the midst of that. Tried my luck going to the outside world for about five months and decided I liked UDOT a lot, a lot better, so I'm back. Um, we love this this type of data though this is fun it's been a lot of fun for us to play with it at the region on the operations side so we're we're really excited to to use this and and have it help us in our projects good so and and so brad kind of set us up here this is about data we're going to talk about data all the different data sets that we're recording how it helps us um, as the traveling public and what we do about it here at udot um so um, kind of either one of you guys, it doesn't matter. Give, give me kind of a history of, of how uh, we use data in, in mobility, how it helps us with mobility, where we've been, what does the future look like with data? Yeah, so UDOT's always been really interested in collecting data to help us make decisions. You can see this where it was collecting annual uh, average daily traffic for segments of I-15 all the way back to 1981. And, and we might have it back further than that, but it's just not digitally archived. And with the reconstruction project, we had a large deployment of sensors that were picking up volume and um, speeds along the freeway. But now we know that it's so much more than just um, bottlenecks that are affecting congestion. It's also incidents, it's weather, it's special events that are going on. And so we collect data for that so that we can make informed decisions um, with weather about advising the public of when they need to leave or about our operations with snow plows of being able to know what type of treatments would be effective. And so all of these data sets, although they're not your just typical speed or, or volume of what's on the roadway, um, they affect how we're um, communicating and, and strategies that we can do to affect mo- uh, mobility on the freeways. And kind of where we're going in the future also is we can continue to collect uh, data that um, wasn't previously available. So Bluetooth data, um, which is where you're collecting um, an iPhone Mac address or media access uh, a control address. You, um, these devices 
um, match when it pro passes one one device and another, and then it um, looks at the timestamps, subtracts the two, and you, then you have a travel time between the two devices. And so that's a new way that we have of, of collecting travel times. Another new way is the probe data set. Through Bluetooth. I, I just want to clarify this. It's, it's through the Bluetooth technology. I think most of us just identify Bluetooth as what connects our Apple Watch to our phone or yeah. what connects our headphones to our you know, our headset to our phone. So this is the Bluetooth devices are actually talking to each other as they're passing on the freeway. Yeah. And they actually do that with the Wi-Fi signal too. So Bluetooth slash Wi-Fi, they, they capture that, um, that, that signal and use it to create travel times. So I want to, I want to go back just a little bit. You say on I-15, we've got data all the way back to 1981. That's correct. Yeah. And particularly it's just number of vehicles on the road during a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. right? And the speed they're going. Uh, back to 1981, they didn't have the speed, I think. It was, it was just, just just vehicle count. Yep. Okay, so when about when did we start to recognize or start recording or looking for speed? Do you? Do you... Oh, so the major deployment was with the reconstruction project where they put wires in the pavement, and that allowed them to see the speed as it went over these wires or, or loops, as we call them. And um, now we have radar on on the poles on the side of the road because when construction uh, typically impacts pavement as they do a, a mill and fill or a rehabilitation or some type of construction so having it on the pole keeps it from getting damaged and having to be replaced and you can service it easier without being in, affecting the roadway so around 1998 is when we get a large much larger proliferation of, of speeds on the interstate system that's pretty cool, and we can see that if we're driving down I-15, there on the the poles on the on the light posts on the center between the, the north and south mount. Is that right? Is but, that where they are? Uh, they're usually on the outside of the shoulders. Okay, um, you'll see the camera poles too. They're they're usually just uh, square boxes on those uh, poles. It's amazing. Just lots of places we're collecting data. <laughs> there there are, and so even the newest uh, data set that we're pulling is. It was kind of interesting to hear Joe Walker um, talk about the. Uh, the survey results and 82% of the traveling public has their information from Google Maps. And so there's a data set called probe data where when you use your cell phone like Google Maps and um, you're starting to see where the congestion is, you're informing other users of Google Maps what the congestion is for where you are. Um, that's assuming that you have the privacy where it knows your location, which most of us do so that it can better tell us how to, how to get somewhere, Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. It's in our best interest, and it works out for them because they use that information to tell other people. So probe data is just a sampling of all the vehicles on the network. It's not all the vehicles on the network, but it just uses that sample so that we can understand what's happening um, as far as congestion on the freeway and um, get enough so that we can be able to measure that. And um, we use, we're getting a, a now type of that data. Um, Waze actually is another uh, version of this probe data and it'll when you pull up that app it'll show you how many wazers are around you and so that's kind of essentially telling you how many probes are around you and and this these data sets automatically update the app and so the app is pretty real time where you can tell where traffic slows down and what the average speed is ways ways is the one that i use when i'm trying to get from here to there yeah Ma mainly because if the users are using it, I can tell where the cops are. <laughs> Not that I speed. I stay under the speed limit. 
<laughs> Good for you, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. So, so we you, you this guys, isn't supposed to be a confession that's, it, podcast, is it? It's not. No, that's for the booth right behind us here <laughs> okay. in the recording studio. Um, so we use data sets. You, you've said that word a lot, data sets, data sets, data sets. It seems like it's a lot of information. What kind of goes into a typical data set? What are we looking for? So you, you said probe data. It's just kind of a sampling of, of uh, you know, the number of, of cars on, on the road. Um, how do we use, if it's so much information in a data set, how do we use these? How do we access the different data sets? Um, so I think it's like when you look at a map, uh, if you can imagine that you were zoomed in all the time, it would just be overwhelming to try and use a map with all the detail of looking at every street address. And so we have kind of different zoom levels for this data set. And we've created analytical tools that allow you to um, slice and dice the data that um, in whatever way that you need to use it. Or we can create dashboards, uh, which are a higher level view of this data, but answer a specific question um, that you, someone might be interested in and helps them make sense of this data um, at a higher level without they can first look at that, and if they want to ask additional questions, they can zoom in and look at some of these other interfaces. So it's it's about creating an interface that's appropriate for the level of use that you want to use the data for. So if I'm Highway Patrol, and I'm only concerned with the number of cars that are going over the speed limit, you could create a dashboard for me saying, right now between this mile marker and this mile marker, this many cars are over the speed limit. Typically, I mean, we, we can slice it down that specifically. Uh, yeah, we we uh, um, we can answer several different questions about the data. So that's really nice. Cool. So uh, we hear data. I mean, we use this term a lot. Carlos talks about uh, all the data that we're using and, and how it's going to shape us going forward. The one, I don't know if it's a buzzword or exactly what it is. Uh, I hear the word hear data a lot. H-E-R-E, hear data. Um, Grant, what is that? What does it mean? So we were just talking about how there's probe data and then Google Maps was one type of uh, user of that data and then there was Waze. And so those are vendors uh, that use that data. And then another vendor is here. And that's the um, vendor that we're, we've purchased recently. And they're acquiring uh, data. Their probes are coming from connected vehicles, a connected navigation system. Um, of delivery vehicles of Amazon or FedEx, UPS, um, also fleet services. They're actually owned by BMW, Volkswagen, and Audi, and also Daimler, which is more uh, familiarly known as uh, Mercedes. Um, And they're actually in the navigation systems of most other automotive groups, too. So um, they're also picking up smartphone applications, Um, not all smartphone applications, but as you um, enable your location to be used for different apps while you're using it or depending on what your settings are, they can sell that data um, anonymized to other vendors and they can use that for congestion using um, to inform that. And so they compile all those different data sets to, uh, to make their kind of special sauce of congestion data. Their special sauce. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you, you said something I want to pick up on. It's anonymized. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people worry that all of this data going out there is going to track when you were at point one and now you're at point two or where you're going or what direction. And it's true. It tracks us where we're going, how fast we're going, but it doesn't track who it is. It tracks cell phone user 
XYZ was here at this point going this speed. Is that correct? That's right. And uh, it's really important to us that this is all done at third party where they've scrubbed it. We don't, we get it at an aggregated level. None of it is raw. Um, so that it's just for us to use as an analytical tool and not get on that back end of, of where they're able to scrub it all. Um, but uh, it's a really powerful tool to be able to understand what's going on all the road systems. Um, and, and Brad has used it quite a, a very powerfully in, in region two, and we've used it um, in region in, in all of the states. So I'll let him talk about how they've used it in region two. Yeah. All right. So we, we've actually started using it in a number of dip, different applications. Um, we've had a couple maintenance projects come to us and they didn't like the, the limitations that we've given to them, hours of operation that they could work. And so they've, they've come to us and they said, is there any way you can give us more, more time to be out there on the road to get these projects done? And when, when this data first came out, we started getting excited about it and we started using it to start testing on, on maintenance projects with the caveat that we'd tell our crews, if we start getting congestion that we can't live with, you guys need to get off the road ASAP. And they, they've been agreeing to this. So uh, the first project we tried it on was, was on I-15 last October. And this was actually Bluetooth units. It wasn't the HEAR data. We hired a, a company to go install, I think it was three or four units out there between some strategic points that we wanted to measure. And originally, we, were, we, we gave them some hours to work. It was some, some night work. It was, it was concrete that was setting up really fast for us. And, and the first night, everything went pretty good. The concrete actually set up a little too quick, so they, they put some additives in it to slow it down. And the, the second day they did it, they put a little too much in, and so the concrete wasn't setting up quick enough. At that point, the, the maintenance crews gave me a call and said, hey, can we, can we keep this closed longer? So I jumped on and, and looked at the data and, and found, yeah, we're doing fine. We've got some slowdowns out there, but it's working great, keep working, to the point that we didn't even have to give them an end time. They were to work as long as they wanted and, and no problems. We were able to get the job done and, and not impact traffic. Um, a couple other ways we've been using it. We had a public meeting out in Tooele a few months ago and these folks were really concerned about the congestion that they get out there, especially when there's an accident. So we started digging into the HERE data. Or, no, this was actually BlueMac data, wasn't it, Grant? We have BlueMac data out there. And so we started looking at this data um, comparing it to what we see on I-15 and Bangor Highway and some of these bigger routes here in the Salt Lake Valley and just trying to give them perspective that, yeah, yeah it's, it's getting... Not, it's, but it's not that bad. Right. right. <laughs> it's getting worse. You're, you, you recognize it's getting worse, but it's not as bad as some of the other places around the region. Which never really makes <laughs> us feel better, does it? Uh-huh. Right? I mean, that's like as a parent, I always say to my 13-year-old, to my well, I never got to do this when I was a kid. I mean, it's, it's apples and oranges, but hopefully, you know, it, well, it's like 15. So. Yeah, exactly. We're just trying to give them perspective. Perspective, exactly. Why we're doing the projects we're doing, spending the money where we're spending it. And so we, we were able to pull some data out of this, create some really neat graphs that compared the different corridors against each other. And, and, and by the end of the meeting, they're pretty satisfied with what we were doing, including elected officials, which was Which is good, which nice. is key, right? Especially, <laughs> Absolutely. Especially in Tooele. You know, we, we want to make sure that they're happy, and that's, that's a hard commute anyway, especially when something happens 
I mean, yeah. there aren't many routes in and out of Tooele. So. Absolutely, and we, we weren't trying to just color code it. We actually took some snapshots of the HERE data. We used the HERE data for, for an animation that we put together that showed them what happens on a, on a day that an accident occurs. And, and so we recognized to them, yeah, we know that this is a problem, but there's other priorities ahead of you. We'll get to you when we can, basically, is what, yeah. what we were able to tell them. But with data... Being armed with data, you're actually able to give them something more than, well, we're busy out there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good luck. You know, we'll, we'll see you when we see you. Absolutely. It's hard, it's hard to dispute data. So you talked about preparing graphs or animations. Uh, is this visualization? I mean, is this what we consider data visualization? How are we doing it? How are we using it? I mean, I guess that's, that's one example of how we used it. But how do we create this, this data visualization and what's it used for? Uh, yeah, so I think data visualization is something that everybody is doing that they just don't realize it's called data visualization, where you can imagine if what we gave to legislatures was a whole bunch of uh, list of numbers and how cryptic that would be. And so we allow people to understand it, um, what we're making decisions off of it in a way that they can understand it. Um, you know, they're not the technical es experts a lot of times, and, and so we want to be able to show... Um, the the results or the data in a way that they can arrive at the same conclusions that we are or gain confidence in why we're making the decisions we are. So it can be an animation video like um, Brad suggested. That can be a di one data visualization tool. It can be a simple as something as simple as a bar chart or a graph um, or a map. Um, all of those are really data visualization tools. You can see that a lot of how we're using GIS for story maps, and there's a whole bunch of ways that um, we use um, different visualizations within those story maps to um, show key ideas. Uh, and I think it's really important that UDOT first has given us the data to make decisions, and then it's given us all these also additional resources to make these data visualization tools to communicate the um, the results that we've gotten from this data so that the public and decision makers or stakeholders can have confidence that, oh, I understand why UDOT's making this decision. You know, they might not like it, but we can get it, arrive at a consensus um, of what the data is telling us and um, move on from there. Well, and what I like is that you talked about so many different ways that we, we can visualize this data. There's so many different audiences when we come to different projects or or accidents, you know, all the way from the legislatures who were helping us make the laws, uh, all the way down to somebody who who maybe is in a right of way uh, issue because we're expanding the road. You know, we're able to give them data and, and show them, you know, the pros and cons of, of what's happening with their property. So, yeah, kind of cool. And I guess the very simple look at data visualization is just our Google Maps, right? If we see a Google Maps that has a green road versus a yellow road versus a red road, that's taking that real data and putting it into something that we can all understand. Yep, exactly. Cool. Um, so new freeways, interchanges, they all go in at some point, right? Uh, talk, take us through a typical mobility analysis when we're putting a new interchange up or uh, something big like holiday travels coming around. Tell us how we work through those. Yeah, so uh, one of what's so powerful is about this data is it really is so nimble. You can use it so for so many purposes. And um, one of the things that we get to do with the public involvement team is when a, a big holiday comes around, they'll ask us kind of what, what they should be prepared for. And so just going back to President's Day, 
Um, we give people an idea of when they should leave by looking back at historical congestion animation maps of when congestion started showing up on the freeway and how bad it got. And so when people can leave to avoid that congestion. And then um, recently we had the weather event um, on President's Day when all that big snowstorm happened. So the weather group communicated that to the public involvement team and they in turn told the public, hey, either leave Sunday or come back on Tuesday, but avoid Monday. And we were able to see a huge shift in uh, travel um, volumes from people either leaving on Sunday or on Tuesday. And that helped save a lot of congestion, probably a lot of additional incidents occurring. And then we also had a surge of traffic on um, Friday that went down. Um, and in between St. George and Cedar City, there was a large amount of uh, congestion that occurred. And they called the Region 4 traffic and kind of complained about that in the past, or we wouldn't have had any monitoring devices to show the congestion. Um, you know, Google doesn't show you historical data. And so what's really powerful about this data is now we were able to go back and say, oh, we were able to quantify this data rather than just have all this anecdotal information of, well, I'm not sure if he was just complaining because it was a little bit longer, but we were able to show that between 3.30 and 9.30, a long time period, um, travel times are normally 40 minutes, but they climbed all the way up to 80 minutes and then even up to 120 minutes, which if you're expecting free flow conditions, you're starting a vacation, you're, you're, you're frustrated. <laughs> you're very frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Well, and, and if anybody's made, yeah, it, to take three hours from Cedar city to St. George's, that's a, that's a long haul. Yeah. Especially when you're almost there and there's nothing, no easy pull off. And, and so, um, it, we were able to show that it was about, uh, nine incidents that happened in between there, but a surge of volume made it so that just a small minor incident created a tipping point so that it created secondary incidents and the, which were more impactful. And, and so it allows us to quantify all that delay and in turn make decisions of, of how we can prepare for that in the future. So what's great about this is the more data we have, the better prepared we are for the future. I mean, we're looking at all of this stuff. All of the data we have is historical. That's the only thing it can be. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is you talk about a primary incident and secondaries and things like this. I'm, I'm amazed at how much congestion can happen from somebody slowing down at the wrong time on the freeway. And data can show that, right? That it wasn't an incident. It was just something happened that one or two cars slowed down enough that it just created a, a, a little bit of a lag. And it's, it's fun to see all the different stories that can be told by data. And it's, uh, it's really fun to kind of uncover different stories that you kind of knew were there, but um, weren't ever able to explain or, or show. And, and so it's really kind of a fun, um, fun to go through this data and, and show visually those stories through data. You know, Matt, one, one thing that I, one story I like to tell with a project we had last year, we, we took 201 down to one lane for a little while. And, and right before we did that, we were pretty nervous, right? We, we, the, all the traffic numbers were saying, don't do this. It's going to cause a lot of congestion. We were pretty nervous, but due to the na nature of the project, we felt that we needed to. So we took it down. I didn't tell a few, a, a few of my employees that live out that direction. <laughs> the next day. Out west, right? Exactly. Okay. The next day they came into work and I said, how much longer do you think it took you to get through that congestion out there? And I heard anything from 20 minutes more to an hour. And we went back and looked at the data, and it was eight minutes. <laughs> Perception is huge. It <laughs> is huge, right? <laughs> um, but, if you can, but if you can arm people with that, 
right? Or say, hey, last time we did this, it was only a five minute delay. Exactly. Right. And and so we weigh we weigh the pros and cons on on doing it at certain times. And and there are times where we just you just have to do it. The work has to be done. Um, and you, you kind of cross your fingers and hope it's not going to be more of a delay than it was last time. So, yeah, uh, we've, uh, I've liked that because it's like perception is usually, they say perception is reality. And so we're kind of bringing that back where we're allowing people to understand what reality is yeah. to change their perception again and really understand what the true effects of constru- construction are. But I, but I like having, I like being able to bring, this is, this is the truth. This is really what happened last time. And being able to make sound decisions based on what we know, not what we think or what we imagine is going to happen, but what we actually know about it. So all of this data, it's all floating in the cloud. We pull it down out of somewhere, right? Out of the, the, the cloud to, to store and to start to analyze and to animate and all of these things. Where do we, where do we store it? How do we store this data? Uh, yeah, so this is, like you said, stored on the cloud. It's uh, done by the third party, so um, they're contracted to, to do that and um, it's archived all the way back to 2014 so that we can look at trends uh, back to that time period and be able to make choices but it's it's nice that it's um, done by a third party and especially with some uh, information that some could be concerned about as far as an anonymous level but it's all handled by outside of UDOT. But we don't own the data we're just using it. That's correct we've okay. contracted. Okay. So they can store it on their servers, take up their space. We just pull it down as we need it. That's correct. And what's really nice is all of this data is being collected without any devices that we've installed along the freeway or surface streets. It's um, maintenance-free from uh, um, our resource level. So how do we use it? So if it's all there, uh, you guys obviously have access to it. How do we pull it down? How do we access it? How do we use it? Yeah, so um, the website is u.thirdparty.iteris, I-T-E-R-I-S dash PAMS, P-E-M-S dot com. And we'll, before we do that again, I'm going to have you read it again, but we will put that on the link for the podcast. Too. Okay. When we send out the email, we'll put that up there. So the more common way to get to it is just Google u.ipams. I-P-A-M-S. Sorry, I-P-E-M-S. P-E-M-S. Yeah, okay. Performance Measurement System. You, there's, it's also on the u.ipams. Gov. Um, it just takes a little bit of time to get there, but you can go to inside UDOT, then go to operations. On the left side, you go to the traffic management TOC, then go to IPEMS website access, then finally click on the IPEMS website link. And then we can, uh, it's that easy. That that easy. <laughs> just one to seven clicks away. Just perfect. <laughs> and well, then once you're there, if you have a UDOT login or at utah.gov, email address that'll give us access yeah well you have to um, create your access or login and then it'll automatically be accepted Um, our mpo partners um, they automatic or i think they have to be approved but they will be approved we just are working on getting that automated and then anyone working on a udot project can use it Um, our licensing structure is set up that way Um, but if they're not working on udot work then it, it they can't use the data of course can they see it though um I think they can see it. They just can't they analyze just can't it. Analyze it. So if they, if you have constr- uh, questions of if you can or can't use it, just reach out to our group. And and right now we're actually making tutorials um, to introduce you to this data, to make you familiar with some of these tools. Um, beginning, intermediate, advanced tutorials. We understand that staff 
changes um, with different roles and so it might be a great way for new members to get familiar with this data and um, its capabilities and how they could use it so we're excited to put that on the UDOT Learning Center and um, or some other platform um, and it would just be a, a valuable way to um, get all the resources to all of the staff. And you guys are always available. I know, oh, Brad, Brad, you're just in Region 2, but you're happy to answer questions that anybody has, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and Grant, you're available. So what I want to do is, um, I mean, there's so much information here. I mean, there's so much data, right? So, <laughs> so much information we've talked about. What I want to do is just kind of bring it back to, to, to home here. Uh, we've got three strategic goals here at UDOT, right? Preserve infrastructure, optimize mobility, and zero fatalities, crashes, and injuries. How does data help us with that first one, preserve infrastructure? Well, I think, um, like Brad was mentioning, where it um, allows us to work with maintenance activities during times of the day, during the day where normally some of these activities were done at night. And when you're able to see what you're doing, uh, you can have better quality of work. Um, and it's like for a chip sale or, or something like that. So it allows you to do better quality in, in your maintenance activities. Um, with the mobility, I mean, this is really what the main purpose that a lot this of is, what this is about. Yeah. <laughs> this is about How we get around better. Yeah, but being able to evaluate your network at a whole level, not just the interstates, um, it helps us be able to um, evaluate so many different ways uh, that type of data. And then last, uh, zero crashes, injuries, and fatalities. We're using this to evaluate our traffic uh, incident management uh, coalition. Um, we just met with uh, BYU yesterday, and, and they're looking at when crashes started versus when they were reported by looking at this data. So it's being able to help us evaluate our strategies um, on incident management, and, and that'll improve um, zero crashes as, as we improve our incident management tools and strategies. Well, and we talk about, we, we've talked a lot about CAVs, you know, connect, connected autonomous vehicles and, and how... We know that eventually uh, getting rid of the human element um, helps reduce crashes and injuries. And, and this data is part of that. I mean, th this, it's a huge network that these vehicles are going to be accessing too. Yeah, this is kind of like we said that BMW, Audi, and uh, Daimler own this data. And they're actually using it to talk to other devices or other vehicles, rather, letting them know when a car is stopped ahead of them to notify them. And so that's part of that connected vehicle um, component that Blaine talked about earlier, which is really exciting. Yeah. yeah. It's, this is cool stuff. And, uh, again, if you guys have questions about this, reach out to Brad or Grant. Uh, we'll make sure that the links are here on the, on the podcast, um, email that we send out and on the, on the post and guys, I just wanted to thank you for being here. I, it's exciting to have new and, and interesting information that comes in into UDOT here. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for Matt. This has been a lot of fun to, to, play around with this data and i'd encourage everybody if you have access use it yeah look it up play with it well guys thanks we uh another successful episode of beyond the barrels again we're always looking for ideas we always want new ideas of things cool things that are happening around the department if something you're doing is interesting you think it'd be cool to talk about uh shoot us an email at uh beyond the barrels is it tell me if i'm right right grant it's beyond the barrels he's nodding at me at uh, utah.gov. This is my, my grand, <laughs> grand, <laughs> grand from communications, now. Grant Potter, uh, who is expertly producing all of these and, and edits them. And we really appreciate his effort here. So uh, thank you, Brad and Grant, for being here. And until next time, guys, uh, be safe, buckle up, 
Put your cell phone downs, and as Carlos would say, thank you for keeping your time.